conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back, as is Tim Matthews. We're talking all about the 1997 movie LA Confidential today. It's one that I was a little worried about watching simply because of Kevin Spacey's presence in it. So Tim, I think it's safe to say that looking back on some of his performances now, you kind of cringe a little when you see him. Did you feel that way when you were rewatching this? Definitely. I mean, it's highly complicated issue and discussion um, with with all the stuff happening with different, you know, actors and writers and everything. Um, the 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 basic thing that I found is it's kind of a case by case basis on what bothers me, um, mm. and uh, typically what bothers me is when certain uh, situations or facets of a project um, kind of lean a little close to what said person was uh, accused of, and I don't know if you felt this. Uh, and I, I've, I've seen this movie a number of times years ago. Uh, this was a, a recent rewatch for me. It's been a while. Um, I had forgotten how much of this he actually was in. Like when, yeah, when we started talking about doing this podcast, I had it in my head. I'm, I'm like, oh well. And even I recommended it to a friend of mine recently, and I'm like, don't worry. I'm like, Kevin Spacey's barely in it. I was like, it's most, <laughs> it's mostly the other guys. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching this, and I'm like, oh man, he is in a lot of this. And some of the stuff, I don't know if it was me projecting or, but I just, I got, I got some vibes from his character that I was like, hmm, I feel like his character could have been guilty of some of the stuff that Kevin Spacey was of. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I, uh, it's seedy Hollywood and his character yeah. is quite seedy and, uh, definitely rides the line of morale. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's a noir, so everybody does, but... And it's the 50s. <laughs> yeah, but it's still... there's There were definite instances that I was more uncomfortable than I thought I was going to be with this movie. I thought it was going to be more of a throwaway um, Kevin Spacey role where I could look at it objectively and be like, oh, well, I mean, he put on a good performance. He's a good actor and not really worry about you know any of the content but i i was proven wrong and that's what i get for suggesting a movie that i haven't seen in a while (laughs) well it's one of those movies that i had always wanted to watch because i actually have the james elroy book that it's based off of i just haven't gotten around to reading it i would i know i had this big dream of getting the book read before we did this podcast but that did not happen so it was something that i had always heard good things about and so i was worried going into this that because of this one person being in it i automatically would not like it and that happened to not be the case because i really did love this movie and i wanted to bring up kevin spacey first just to sort of put that out there that we know he is very problematic but i think because of how long ago this movie came out and the fact that at that time at least it seemed like nobody really knew about anything that had recently come to light at least the public didn't know about it and there are a lot of other people to focus on in this movie and also spoiler kevin spacey's character dies so Exactly. There's that at least, that, you know, so, you, you can yeah. rejoice over that a little, I guess. The the one thing I'll say is 
what everybody can handle in a performance of a a a, a problematic actor um or 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 whatever involvement of a film what everyone can handle it varies um so you know i certainly understand if someone says oh he's in it i don't want to watch it i mean that's certainly up to you yeah but if you're able to just kind of push past it and if you are able to just kind of watch the the film and, and and appreciate the film itself especially everybody else involved i think you'll really enjoy yourself i think it's a fantastic um, and still is uh, even after it beforehand I loved it and I still love it now uh, I think it's a fantastic addition to the the history of of noir films um, I certainly put it uh, in my top 10 of of noir films I think it hits all the beats that I need it to and uh, it just it features so much incredible style in the cinematography it has that classic narration it's got a terrific uh, performance by, I mean, you've got Danny DeVito, you've got Russell Crowe, you've got Guy Pierce, you've got Kim Basinger. Like, it's just, you know, beat for beat. Uh, it gives you everything you want in a, and I know I'm, I'm forgetting other actors to mention. I mean, there's so many great people in this, but it's beat for beat, yeah. just, it's what you want in a noir. I mean, it's, I, I think even at times, and maybe it's just watching it now and it being kind of a more more of the the modern era of noir films it's like some of the stuff almost i think risks kind of feeling like parody like even like the the narration especially of danny devito like it just feels so stylized that Mm -hmm. it's almost hard to take it kind of seriously but at the same time because of the the sheer style that they just full-on go for it like from from the from the second this film starts like i am i am in and i am and i'm ready to dive down the whatever mystery that they're going to tell me and i'm i'm like i'm like giddy and then i'm disgusted and then i'm angry and then i'm excited like it's it's yeah. just it's got all the feelings i need and obviously if or at least hopefully if people are listening to this you have seen the film uh but if you hadn't i do highly uh, recommend it if you're a fan of noir or just a fan of that old Hollywood uh, style that they capture in film uh, you're going to get everything you want out of this yeah I'm glad you brought up some of the other cast members there and James Cromwell's another big one because That's who it he is. has had such an illustrious career that will do pay. even at that point in time and you have some character actors who show up like Paul Guilfoyle as Mickey Cohen Simon Baker as Matt Reynolds. And these are faces that I wouldn't have recognized at the time. Also, at the time, I was like five when this came out. So there's no way I was going to be watching you it. You didn't see this in theaters? That's weird. <laughs> no, Your parents no, didn't I take I you to see so. LA Confidential? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so it's always interesting for me looking back being like, oh, hey, these familiar faces were in this movie that I've been wanting to watch for so yeah. long. And you know, maybe they weren't as big at the time, or they hadn't been in the roles that I know them from. But it's still fun to get to see them playing these bit parts in a movie like this. And, you know, Kevin Spacey aside, this movie has a lot going for it, even though it's massively a boys club, because that's oh, yeah. just how the police force was in the 50s. So you yeah. can't really fault the movie for accurately depicting the era that it takes place in and 
Kim Basinger really stands out because of the fact that it's such a boys club. You know, her performance is one that you wouldn't necessarily expect given the character that she plays, but she plays such a crucial role at the same time. And you mentioned, you know, being angry, being excited. And I think what they do best with this is they take these cast members and they shove them in all different directions just to have to get these two completely opposite guys to come together in the end and save the day, essentially. So you have a lot of conflicting personalities. You can tell that, you know, Guy Pierce's character, Detective Lieutenant Ed Exley, is someone who wants to play things as straight as possible because of what happened to his father. He wants justice. And he quickly finds out that corruption is just running rampant through the LAPD. And he does what he can to stop that, even though he does some things that maybe he doesn't necessarily fully agree with along the way. And you just see all of this come together with this cast and how it all plays out in the end. And you're like, okay, yeah, you know, these two guys, by the end of it, they're the two you're rooting for. And, you know, sadly, Danny DeVito's Sid does not make it to the end of the movie either but oh yeah danny devito is just one of those personalities where you can't ignore his character no matter who he's playing yeah and i think he did a great job with that with sid between like you said earlier the narration and just his actual on-screen appearances yeah he fit that role so well like it's i feel like when he's like closing out his he's he's typing and he's like and very hush hush like i feel like <laughs> it could it could play so corny and the fact is is that it does but it plays corny because of because of it it's it's the way he intentionally says it like it's that's it's that he knows how tongue in cheek he's being it's it's his it's his style it's his it's his writing and and you even see like when he's getting all excited with kevin spacey's character like He's like, oh, you got a, uh, you got a new bust for me. Like, you just know, like, he's just jumping at the fact that uh, for the next time that he gets to that he gets to type up just that real gossipy and dirty column. Like he, he's and and he's just like, ooh, don't worry. It's like, or, or don't, you know, I'm losing my train of thought because it's just I'm I'm like picturing him now and I'm just <laughs> it's I'm laughing at him because I'm, I'm picturing him in this role. But then a little bit of like always sunny started <laughs> pulling into my head um, and it, because it, it, he is that that Danny DeVito personality, even though it feels so him, it it just suits that role so well. So it, it yeah, I was able to get roped into it rather than just being distracted by it being. Danny DeVito because it's sometimes it, it that is the case with certain big personality actors that after so long sometimes it's hard to not see oh that's Johnny Depp playing a role oh that's you know so and so playing a role but so like he's uh he's fantastic and then like you mentioned Guy Pierce that he's the, he's this character who you know wants to toe the line he wants to uh do things the right way and it, it's it's funny because the way the film starts, you know, he's clearly, oh, he's the the good guy in terms of people that we've been introduced to. But my first reaction sitting and watching, and granted, it's like it, I've I've watched it before, but still and I know what's to come and I know what's going to happen. But 
I still kind of hate him in those first scenes. Like, I'm just like, uh-huh. you're annoying. Like, nobody likes you. I don't like you. Why are you being a jerk? And uh, But it's like when you're sitting, you're just like, no, like he's 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 not he's not a dirty cop. Like I should be rooting for this guy, but still it's like, I'm sitting there and I'm like, no, you ratted out your, what's supposed to be your friends, your coworkers. You're a jerk. I hate you. And then it's like it. So it's these complicated feelings that this movie makes you feel that it's like, it has me rooting against who's supposed to be the hero. Right. And it knows that it wants me to root against who's (laughs) supposed to be a hero. It knows it wants me to side with Russell Crowe. It wants me to side with Kevin Spacey and these people that are, that are messing with it. You know, it's when James Cromwell's like great speech when he's just like, he's like, don't be a detective. He's like, no, I'm going to be a detective. He's like, if you had to, if you had to plant a gun for a person you knew was guilty, would you do it? And he's like, no. And I'm just like, no, you would. <laughs> I'm just like. <laughs> yeah, because you want to believe that these cops are being slightly corrupt for the overall good. You know, if yeah. they know someone is guilty, they want that person put away. But as the story goes on and, you know, with this movie being over two hours, I was a little worried about the story because I hadn't read the book, so I wasn't familiar with what it was going to be like. And I was like, okay, I know it's about cops and, you know, the LAPD, but can they really drag this out for over two hours? And sometimes (laughs) I think for me, it's a detriment to watch things at home because I'll like pause something and go make dinner for 20, 30 minutes. And then it just feels like the movie's a lot longer than it is. Yeah. And with this, I was a little worried about that. But by the time things got going and you hit that third act... I was so invested in what was going on and I was rooting for Ed to be right about everything because same story-wise they have Ed and Bud who personality-wise are complete opposites but you know Bud is just an officer which I thought was weird because he was always in a suit like a detective officers don't wear suits so that was one thing I was just kind of like okay well we'll let it slide for now because it's the 50s LAPD so I'm guessing they just did whatever they wanted. <laughs> yeah, I was like I don't I don't know what the what the rules were back then like yeah. it's you know maybe if you were kind of almost a detective you got to wear a suit. I don't know. It's or yeah. maybe he just punched the guy who told him that he had to wear a uniform <laughs> and then he was like all right cool you can wear a suit. It's And whatever. clearly they it's, didn't play by the rules anyway so it yeah, didn't really matter at that point and it was one of those things where Bud knew he wasn't the smartest guy in the room and that he was mostly being used as the muscle. Absolutely. But as the story goes on, him and Ed start to figure things out at roughly the same pace. And you have Dudley Smith, you know, James Crom- Cromwell's character who's in charge, and he's just throwing a wrench in everything by getting Sid to go take photos of Ed with you know, the high class prostitute, if you will, Mm -hmm. played by Kim Basinger (laughs) as, you know, she's playing Lynn, who is dating Bud, like for real dating him. He's not paying her to date him like the rest of the men. And always a confusing line with the uh, hookers in movies. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're like, okay, all right. But I think in this, they made it pretty clear that that was what was happening. You know, she was letting him in in ways that she didn't let her Johns in. And it was a great, great balance the way that they 
they're back and they're back and forth in their conversation of him like I'd like to see you again and her yeah. just being like as a date or you know it's like that or that, by appointment <laughs> yeah exactly like it was it was that great discussion that you're just kind of like this is such a weird conversation but I'm so enthralled that I want you two to be together <laughs> yeah so when Sid takes the pictures of her with Ed she thinks she is helping Bud and it just leads to this massive fight at the police station between yeah. Ed and Bud and that is sort of the catalyst for these two characters coming together and the fact that what Ed is saying lines up with what Bud was finding out and at one point, Bud was actually a few steps ahead of Ed, which I thought was a nice little turn of events because Ed is the smart guy and he is sort of the one going to the police chief or whoever it was and the DA and being like, this is what you should do because this will, you know, get you the outcome you want. But because Dudley Smith is corrupt and behind everything, <laughs> You know, he knows exactly what Ed is going to do. Yeah. So you have these two people coming together because I think Bud is a lot less predictable than Ed in this. And that gives them a slight advantage when the big fight goes down and everything. And just the fact that they both come out of it by the end of the story, I think, was so relieving because they do let you believe that Bud is dead. He gets shot oh, in the yeah. face. I mean, <laughs> and I like for, it. It was funny because it's I I've I've seen this before, but and granted, it's been a while. But still, like I was sitting there and I'm just like, oh, he's dead. I was like, I don't remember him dying. I was like, what the hell? I was like, why don't I remember him dying? Clearly, I don't remember him dying because he doesn't die. But that whole like ten minutes, I'm just like, damn. I'm like, <laughs> like he he died. I'm like this sucks. No, it's like he was just turning, he was he was turning over a new leaf, kind of, but not really. I mean, as much as he could. Um, I mean, that, that's that's why he was able to be a little ahead of Ed from time to time because Ed would play so by the rules, whereas Bud knew sometimes you follow your hunch and you keep it close close to the vest. And it's like you just kind of you follow your hunches and you just kind of figure it out on your own. And Bud knew, even though I feel like even though Bud doesn't know who's corrupt, Bud knows, all right, this is the type of thing I keep to myself until I figure out why, until I figure out the next step, until I figure out the next move. I don't tell anybody because it doesn't matter. He he knows that it doesn't matter whether he he respects somebody in the department he knows they're all dirty he knows they're all dirty in some way he just doesn't know how much and to the level that uh, james cromwell's character the captain to his to his level of dirty i don't think any of them expected but i think they i think at least bud always knew like there's there's some lines that he's crossing but i think he just assumed it was the same similar lines that bud would cross but not go to this next level and I think that's where where Bud turns around and becomes more in line with Ed's thinking because he's like, oh, there is a line like, yeah, I'm willing to be I'm willing to be a little hazy to be a little gray on this stuff. But there is a line and this has gone too far, of course, after punching him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this movie really stands up to mm -hmm. maybe not necessarily story wise because things have progressed so much since the 50s there are moments where 
just you're kind of cringing at what went on in the 50s. And oh, yeah. that's not a downside to the movie necessarily because you want it to be accurate. Right. You know, if it were the 50s and they were, you know, going on about equal rights and how people are starting to have more of them, you'd be like, um, no, <laughs> inaccurate. That's not what happened in the 50s yeah. necessarily. Yeah. Sure, people wanted equal rights, but they weren't remotely close to getting them from what we see in the LAPD. You know, it's all white dudes. Yeah, there's a there's a level of like wiggle room that you that you can have where it's like, of, of course, you know, um, I'm trying to think of what. Oh, you know, what? it was I don't remember what season of Stranger Things it was, but the example that uh, that I recall from it is uh, what's her name? The main girl that dates Jonathan. Uh, Nancy. Nancy. She and her mom have like a conversation kind of about like uh, women's rights and wanting more Um and it's this private conversation that it's just kind of like talking about the realism of the world. But of course, I want more for you. And I feel like that's that's a great example of what you can do with the wiggle room. It's like you can interject this great conversation um, that can spark discussion while still remaining within the era. And a movie like this, it has to remain within the era, regardless of how uncomfortable it is. And if you have some discussions about where where the level of of respect is then you need to stand true to that because if you don't then it starts to feel out of place um now granted neither of us lived in the 50s so i don't know what level of 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 conversation that or discussion that was being had um but everything that we've been led to believe from from what we understand is that it wasn't had that often um and the police department was definitely a boys club for a very long time um mm -hmm. af uh, even after this um, you know, it's, uh, so it's, there, there's definitely, there's things in this film that do make you feel uncomfortable, but I also feel like that's a part of, that's a part of noir. Like the yeah. noir is all about those gray areas. Um, you know, very seldom does a noir end completely happy, you know, even this film, the, it's this, this film, it's, uh, the, the happiest part of the ending of this movie is that Bud, Bud doesn't die. <laughs> yeah, is that Bud doesn't die. He and Lynn are seemingly like still together, you know, and who knows how long that will go. Uh -huh. But at least at this time, they seem happy. But it's still this, the bad guys still kind of win. Like, yeah. it's... There's so much damage done yeah. by the end of it to where you're like, oh, okay, finally, it's over but it's not fantastic necessarily. Yeah. It's, you're just kind of like, you finish the movie and you're just, you're like, all right. And then you're like, oh, wait, well, that kind of sucks. Like the bad guys don't get their due. I mean, they do in the, in the way that they're dead, but that's it. The only people who have that personal sense of justice is Bud and why do I keep forgetting his name? Ed. Ed. <laughs> It's such a simple name, Bud and Ed. The the only ones who get that semblance of we know what happened and we know that they're done, that they're out. Like they get the own their own personal satisfaction, but they also know that the game is bigger than them and that there's no way that the proper justice is going to be handed down. It's a cover up. I mean, it's the the it's in the title. It's confidential. That's it. It's done. It's like cool. You put a stop to it. They're dead. 
that was a bad thing, but we can't let the press know this. So what do we need to what do we need to do here? And Ed kind of kind of sells the soul a little bit. You know, he yeah. he he takes he takes another promotion. He's he it's it's from the start of it and it's it's kind of the part of it that makes you that makes you hate him a little bit is that he was willing to turn on his fellow officers so that it would get him the promotion that he wanted quicker than he was willing to put in the work for. He was like, this is the fast track. This is what I want to do. And in his mind, he's like, this is the right thing. So this is what I'm going to do. In his mind, it's the right thing. He doesn't see the other side of it. Not saying that covering up for dirty officers is the right side of it. But in that time frame and in that department, that was part of it. That was, it was, you stand up for, for your fellow officer. You stand up for your department, regardless of what you think. You don't snitch. He cheated his way into the promotion, yeah. basically, by strong arming everyone involved, yeah. you know. And then he does the same thing at the end. So what does he learn? Like, <laughs> Yeah. And the police chief knew that they needed more men like Ed. So it seemed like there was always this notion of, hey, we know these things are going on. But we let them slide because they get results in the end, you know, like planning the gun, which Bud does even after, you know, the initial getting in trouble instance. What an uncomfortable sequence. That is that was one that unfortunately rings. I feel a little modern. That that one was tough. Yeah. And it's like you understand why he did it. But it's still one of those like cringeworthy moments because he sees the girl in the bed, yeah, in the state that she's in. And he's like, okay, you know, this dude's here. He's responsible. Let me get rid of him. Yeah. Even though he's like eating cereal or whatever, he's eating oatmeal or something. Yeah. It's not, it's not like he was a good guy. Like he probably deserved to go. I mean, he was, he was, he was definitely involved in the rape. Yeah. And even like her discussion when, like when Ed realizes that she lied, she had, she lied. Like he was like, what? And she was like, I'm a Mexican. And these people rape me. Do you think that anyone would care unless they killed these white officers? And it's like, that's a huge moment for, for Ed to hear that. And then he has no choice but to go along with it. Like, he can't turn to those reporters and then say like, oh, no, 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 hold on. I need to re-review all this. It's like, no, this is it. And he also knows that, all right, like, she did get some semblance of justice and they weren't good people. They had to go. They just didn't go for the same reason that he thought. And mm-hmm. now and now here's these people that got away with a crime. And for him, that all translates back to his father, this guy who got away with a crime. And I have a question for you. And okay. I'm I'm fuzzy on whether or not this is intentional or and, and, or maybe it's confirmed and I just kind of like missed it. And I wanted to I wanted to Google it a bit before our podcast, but I didn't get a chance. But do you think that James Cromwell's character is, in fact, the person that killed Ed's father? Or do you think that he is that that was just him continuing the metaphor that he's like, you are this guy. You are the guy that gets away with it. Or do you actually think he was the guy who got away with it and killed his father. Because I I never thought about that until this viewing. Uh And now I'm still sitting on it. And I'm just kind of like, maybe, like, what if his father 
came across something he wasn't supposed to. I had that same exact thought because, you know, he gives the man this name, Rolo Tomasi, and those are Jack's dying words. Yeah. And Dudley has no idea what Jack is talking about. So he asks Ed, thinking that maybe Jack had mentioned something to him. And you see the look on Ed's face when he has to pause and say, no, he never mentioned someone by that name because he knows it's Jack getting him a message from beyond the grave at this point. Yeah. And you get this moment where you're kind of like, oh, man, he killed Jack, who was a very well-known cop. You know, he was the yeah. Hollywood boy because he was consulting on this TV show called Badge of Honor. And he had this sort of public presence that not a lot of cops had. So to get rid of someone of that status in the way that Dudley Smith did, you're like, okay, it's very plausible that he could have killed Ed's father. Yeah. And he's old enough to have been around when Ed's father was on the force. You know, it. Yeah. there's no question in my mind that they know each other or knew each other. Yeah, I think it's clear. Like, they, they, they worked together. Like, he knew because he... He knew he knew his father and he was like, or at least that was the impression I got that he knew his yeah. father because he was like, I want to be a detective like my dad. And he's like, you're not your dad. Like, you can't do this. D just d and don't if be. he didn't do it directly himself, I think he knows who did it if it wasn't him. I feel like, yeah, even if he didn't pull the trigger, I feel like I feel like whatever he's been involved in and the corruption he's been, been involved in has been going on for a lot longer than than this film allows us to know. Yeah. And I don't exactly remember when his father died. I think it was when he was a kid or something, but it definitely, that was the impression I got. And even if that's one of those things that just kind of left up in the air for the audience to determine, which frankly, I love when, uh, when noir does that. I love when it, uh, leaves you with the questions. Um, frankly, in the example of the big sleep, there is nothing but questions because that plot makes zero sense, but it's still one of the, greatest noirs ever made and everyone agrees with that everyone's just like yeah no i don't know what happened in in the plot even the the director famously asked the the writer of the book he's said you know uh did this character do this and he's like oh i don't know he's like that's uh for you to find out like it's just like what it's uh, i don't understand like but it doesn't matter because you're just roped into the story and that's the the great thing that i love about noir is that there's there's all these minute little details and you can pick out something like the situation and where we can spend you know five ten minutes talking about did he kill his father and have no idea and have no reference or no confirmation um and i'm still very much okay with just being like no at least in my head canon if it's not confirmed in my head canon i think he did and i think that adds something uh, really spectacular to that uh, to that dynamic. And first right. of all, really difficult for me to to watch him in such an ev an evil role after Babe. Like that's <laughs> <laughs> like it, and I know he's played so many characters over the years and I I know I've seen him as bad people before, but still there's just something very inherently evil about about uh, this character. Part of me kind of thought even and again having seen this movie before i'm still sitting there and being like oh is he gonna do this i should know i should know but i'm still questioning it because i'm wrapped up in the movie when he shoots him the captain in the back i'm sitting there thinking i'm like is he gonna plant the gun like is that gonna be the full circle of like would you 
would you make that tough decision? And I thought he was going to do it, but he just can't. Then he just puts his arms up. And frankly, I'm surprised he survived out of that scene to make it into an interrogation. But uh, but he did. Um, and that that's a fantastic scene. I love I love when he just knows what what they're talking about behind the behind the mirror. <laughs> yeah, he gets that smile on his face and you're like, <sighs> man, he really is the smartest guy in the room sometimes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's so good. And uh, my my head's like spinning because it's because it's a noir and because of all the moving pieces in this film. I'm just trying to think I'm like, I'm like, what have we missed? Like, I'm sure anybody listening to this who's watched the film is going to be able to call out something we uh, something we've missed. But um, but this this really it's a very full movie. It's a full meal of a movie. You get every uh, you get all the main courses, you get all the appetizers, like everything just comes yeah. comes together. Um, and then you get that bit of really, really bittersweet dessert at the end. <laughs> yeah. Another thing I did like story-wise was when they have Jack going to a different department. He was helping out oh, with Vice, yeah. but then he was sent to narcotics and or vice versa. I forget which it was. But either way, you have these two guys working on these two different cases. You have homicide over here. You have, you know, vice and narcotics kind of working the drug angle, the gang angle. And these two things are connected, but because the departments aren't really talking to each other until Ed teams up with Jack, they don't know it. And then as Ed and Jack go around, they're like, you know what? I think these two things are connected and it just shows you how vast the criminal empire is in LA at this time with the mobsters and, you know, in particular, Mickey Cohen doing his thing and the cops being in on it. And then you have a character who we haven't even mentioned yet in Pratchett, I believe it was. And he's sort of just this super rich guy who basically runs the madams who he has basically cut to look like superstars you know movie actresses and things like that so you know you see a woman with him early on who has her nose all wrapped up and bud thinks that she's been abused but really she just went and got plastic surgery to make her look like some you know famous actress so you have this character who is involved in prostitution and has a bunch of money so he's getting away with stuff and then you have you know mickey cohen's drugs ending up with the cops and all of these things are intertwining in such a way to where you're like wow is la really that big of a city because they make it seem so small sometimes oh yeah i i completely agree like it just it it feels like it feels like it's like how it's like how could all these things be connected it's like how how exactly it kind of feels that small town that small town aspects and that that scene when he sees her in the car and she's all bandaged up like it's just this great like he's off duty like clearly like they're just there like picking up liquor but he just he can't let go of that instinct um and they make fun of him when he when he show when they show up uh late to the party with uh with the liquor he's like oh sorry we were late you know uh, Bud was helping a damsel in distress, and they're just like, "Oh, he's off with his priorities again." Like it's yeah, and that uh, that I was trying to look up that uh, that actor um, who plays the head of the the prostitute ring. Uh, his name is uh, David 
It's either Strathairn or yeah. Strathairn. I'm not sure, but he's been in a ton of stuff. Oh yeah, and it's it's funny to me because I'm just like, there's he he's played, um, you know, quite you, know, you could say uh, heroic roles like uh, like Edward R. Murrow, <laughs> and here he is, um, you know, just being a really like seedy, um, seedy evil kind of a character. I he's one of those guys. He's definitely a a that guy for me. Um, uh-huh. because for instance, I could never remember his name. Um, so that <laughs> is the definition of that guy. Uh, but it, he is, he's just, he's always able to, uh, infiltrate these tiny, these tiny roles, um, and, and big roles as well. But it's just, um, he's able to captivate the screen when I, when I sit and I listen to him talk, there's just a way that the words come out that, um, that I'm completely in enthralled. So like the scenes wh- where like Bud is just like where Bud's talking to him and they, they, they have this quintessential back and forth when he's just like, he's like, you know, it's, it's about this. And I, I, I could take you downtown if it, uh, if you'd like to make this official and his immediate response is just like, Oh, so you're saying this is official. Like, it's just like, <laughs> uh, it's, it's just like clap back. And it's like, of course it's a script. So, but it's, but in the moment, um, I'm just like, oh, I'm like, what are you going to come back with? Like that was, yeah, he's electric in in all the scenes that that he has. And this movie's filled with people like that. Right. I think I had seen him most recently when I finally watched The Sopranos and he was only yes. in three episodes. But I remember him being in it. And I think that says a lot about him as an actor, because mm-hmm. three episodes of the Sopranos is next to nothing. There were like 80 some odd episodes (laughs) of that show. So the fact that he has that sort of impact is just amazing. And, you know, I mentioned some of the other characters like Paul Guilfoyle, who plays Mickey Cohen, and you don't even really need to interact with him that much to be like, oh, he's that dude. And I think they just did such a nice job with getting those bit characters nailed down so well i completely agree yeah that and that that's that's what i think helps this movie just continue to hold up so well on on for for me like rewatches is that it feels full like the the world feels full the world feels like it's moving because the each of these characters have that real sense to them that it's i i feel like there's a background to each of these characters even these even the tiniest of roles like the one male and i i believe i understood this correctly like he he's a male prostitute in the ring the vibe i got from him was that he was made up to look like james dean i could have had that wrong um but then i could see that yeah but then he gets his like throat slashed but and that you know that's terrible but um but a lot of people die in this movie um but he even just that brief moment with him and it's like he doesn't necessarily need to give me that much but when he like goes they send him off to go talk to someone and then uh and then jack and uh danny devito's character just have this brief uh, discussion of just like oh yeah no they're never going to put him in a role after such and such um after he was a hush hush you know guy so it's like they they just have these little moments of 
handing out this background that I'm like, oh man, like, like so much shit has gone down with, with a lot of these characters. So it's like, while the LA can sometimes almost feel small because of everything that pieces together, um, each character that we that we're introduced to, I don't feel like is just this throwaway character. I'm like, oh no, they're just this, this bigger connection to this absolutely just horrible old Hollywood world that they're all, that they're all living in. That it's just like, there's just, there's corruption everywhere. There's, um, there's betrayal, there's hatred, there's lust. Like it's, there's everything that comes together. And so it, it, that's, that's why I really get this full experience out of watching this movie. Even, even if I'm just like, you're satisfied without having the like good feeling of satisfied. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you mean. And <laughs> especially since everything we discussed at the top of the episode with Kevin Spacey, it's one of those things where you're like, this is a good movie, mm -hmm. despite him being in it. And I want to talk about ratings real quick here, because it was very hard for me to give this a high rating, knowing that he's in it. So I tried to look at it from the perspective of 1997 and what yeah. this movie accomplished in that time period. And I think I ended up giving it a four out of five, maybe a four and a half out of five. It's pretty sad that I wanted to talk about ratings and I don't even know what I rated it now. But <laughs> it's, right. it's a top tier movie. Yeah, I haven't rated it uh, yet myself. I really shouldn't actually. You reminded me that I did not put it in my letterbox. Crap, I'm going to have to backtrack that. Um, <laughs> Mine was four and a half out of five, just so we clear that up now. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, honestly, I, I, I think I'm right there. I'm right there with you. This movie just continues to hold up for me. The music, the style, the performances, the writing, um, everything is just on, on point for me. It's it's terrible and it's unfortunate of the, the human being that he is. But if I'm going to rate a movie on its merits of of everything at that time, I, you know, I can't I can't take. I can't take it down for something that happened after the fact or yeah. came out after the or fact. Or came out anyway. after the fact. Yeah. It's like I can't I can't hurt a rating of the movie for that. I mean it and like I said at the top of the episode, it's you know, do do I support or or like him? You know, no, of course not. Do I do I say that it's wrong to 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 not watch uh something with him? You know, it's entirely up to uh your your own your own perspective and, and mm. what you and what you want to do. I mean, certainly there's uh, I, I probably don't know. I, I don't know that I would watch American Beauty again. You know, that's a, a tougher watch give, given the situation. But I don't know. It's hard because it's like, do you punish the, the, the other performers that put so much into it? That's something that I've always. It's a struggle. Been struggling yeah. with lately because I'm like, okay, there's this thing that I've wanted to see for a very long time. Am I going to let one person's actions ruin that? And because of how many people have done horrible things in Hollywood, it's like, okay, you know, back in the 20s and 30s, even everyone kind of knew about the casting couch. And yeah. it's like, do we not watch anything from that time period because of what may have happened that we don't know about? It's very hard to look back at something and be like, well, this is how things are today. So we should just ignore this part of history because people sucked. And 
If that were the case, well, they probably wouldn't teach history in schools because most of history seems yeah. to suck. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of art that would need to be relate uh, that would need to be erased if we just ignored everything from from every horrible person. Right. Um, I think it's just a case by case basis for for every individual on on what you want to put your energy into. You know, I yeah, it's totally fine to not want to watch things with certain people in it. We're not saying you shouldn't do that. It's just one of those things where on a large scale, that's something that I think would be very hard to do, especially given, you know, how many people from like the 20s and 30s are long gone now. It's like, all right, they're not doing anything in 2019 at all because they'd be like 182. So (laughs) I mean, to to mention another, you know, uh, incredible noir that, um, you know, I, I, I tweeted out that it as we were leading up to this episode, I, I've just become like, I've always enjoyed uh, Turner classic movies. And especially like I sit and when I'm hanging out with my grandpa, like that's what we'll do. We will literally, we will just turn on Turner classic movies and it doesn't matter what's on it. We'll just sit and we'll watch it. Um, a lot of it's Westerns and that's his favorite stuff and it's great. Um, but uh, but over the the time and going to the Fathom events, like I've just gotten even more roped into it. And I've uh, since learned that every Saturday they apparently have Noir Alley. So it's I and and even at that, they have guest programmers. And recently they had Edward Norton because he was pr- promoting Motherless Brooklyn, which I still want to see. Um, unfortunately, it's not doing great in the box office. So hope um, which is very unfortunate for just um you know non large special effects films but then again yeah uh, dr sleep is struggling too and that i thought that movie was great it's so it the box office is a weird place right now but that's a whole other discussion um but anyway <laughs> uh edward norton um this is like a whole other episode um but uh edward norton uh, was a guest programmer and one of the ones he picked was chinatown i mean that movie is an incredible uh that one's referred to as a neo-noir um but it's an incredible film it is made by a a very very problematic filmmaker and he has he has a top tier noir film he has a top tier horror film in rosemary's baby um and it I, I I struggled with when I was doing my 31 days of horror that I'm like, you know, I really want to watch Rosemary's Baby, but do I want to include that in my 31 days of horror? Are people going to be mad at me? And I'm like, this kind of sucks that I have to even, you know, think about that. But it's it's he's a terrible human being. Um, and so I certainly understand it. Right. It's definitely it's an ongoing discussion that I don't think there's a lot of easy answers to. But I think. The one thing I can definitively say is depending on what your mileage is on on problematic people, I thoroughly love this movie. I still love this movie and I still think it's a fantastic film. I think it's fantastic noir. Uh, everyone's you know performances are fantastic. The score is wonderful. Uh, the style, the cinematography. I, I know I'm going to watch it again, and I, I highly recommend it to anybody who has uh, any interest in uh, just old Hollywood and noir and not-so-happy endings. Yeah, and I do want to quickly note this article that you brought to my attention on yes. cinephilia and beyond. It's 
Fantastic. Quite a lengthy article. So (laughs) if you have some spare time, I'll have it in the show notes so you can all check it out. Tim and I, unfortunately, didn't get to it (laughs) quite as much as we would have liked to beforehand. I probably got maybe a few paragraphs in, and I know you ended up ended up getting home later than you had planned. So Very we're not going to discuss to the article. Yeah. You, <laughs> but... can't, you can't skim these articles. They're, they're very in-depth. Yeah. Anybody who is a huge fan of film, I don't remember when I discovered this website. Uh, I actually think, I don't know if it was the One Perfect Shot or Film School Rejects. I feel like they're connected. I feel like they're Possibly the both. <laughs> who knows? But it, somewhere along the line, I got kind of tur- uh, turned on to this website. And it's... Um, it's cinephiliabeyond.org. If you Google cinephilia and beyond, it's you'll, it'll still come up. Um, but if you're a fan of film and just deep dives into the production and the era of when some of these films came out, I can't, I, I and I, I feel like if anybody who's listening to this podcast, they are a fan of film in some I would fashion. hope so. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's fantastic articles about, uh, LA Confidential, there's um, Alien, they have a, a crap ton of Martin Scorsese stuff up there right now. I mean, you will lose yourself and all your productivity for uh, days and weeks to come. So um, <laughs> I sincerely apologize to your employers um, for turning you onto this website, but I hope you enjoy it. And I think that's a good note to end this on. <laughs> Before we go, though, I want to let you all know about our Patreon where you can support the podcast for a dollar a month or $5 a month if you would like to pick a topic for us to discuss on the show. I'll be sure to get through it as quickly as possible if it's something longer like a TV show. If it's a movie or comic book, those are typically easier for me to get to. But if you do $5 a month, it's all up to you as long as we have not covered it before. And you can find us at Geekdom Pod on Twitter and at Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram and Facebook. As always, thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.